Coming up, playing a little game of who to tender or who not to tender with some of these D-backs contracts, and then the good, the bad, and ugly from Carson Kelly's 2022 season and how he can improve next year on today's Locked on Dimebacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at creatorthomas24 for my personal account, or look up Locked On Dimebacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle, and of course, thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends and tell your friends to go check out Lockdown Dimebacks on YouTube. We are getting dangerously close to 200 subscribers. So please go on YouTube, type in Lockdown Diamondbacks in the search bar. And hit that subscribe button because we are very, very close to 200 subscribers. But on today's podcast, I want to start off with a little game of who to tender and who not to tender. Because the D-backs have to make some decisions with some of their players on whether they should retain them or let them hit free agency. Because we've seen the the D-backs make this mistake in the past. Because if you remember, just a couple of years ago, they said Taiwan Walker... I don't know, that, that what was it, like $7 million? You're too expensive. Let's let you walk. And then what has Taiwan Walker done since then? He's basically been a multi-time all-star since the D-backs let him go um, way back when. Uh, I guess it's like 2020 now at this point. How long has he been, been with the Mets? I'm going to pull up his stats real quick on the fly just for the fun of it. But Taiwan Walker, 2021 all-star this past season, 3-4-9 year, right? Even when he left... That first season after Arizona, 2.7 ERA. So Taiwan Walker has been a pretty good middle of the rotation starter for teams since leaving Arizona. And the D-backs are like, nah, who needs to pay that guy less than $10 million to be a really good mid-rotation guy? So D-backs have definitely made mistakes in the past when it comes to tendering players and their contracts. So let's look at some players that the D-backs are going to have to make decisions on. And let's make the decision for the D-backs so we can make sure the D-backs get it right and we can help our team the best way possible. Because the first player I want to discuss is Jordan Luplo, who is going to be a potential tender candidate. And I think all these guys are like less than $5 million for uh, being. I, I, right now, I think MLB Trade Rumors projects Luplo to earn like $2 million. So None of these salaries are going to break the bank. Everything's going to be between like two and like four million dollars that we're discussing here. So it's nothing like, okay, that guy's going to hit arbitration. Now he's going to get a five to 15 million dollar pay bump. Like that's not going to happen with any of these guys. So at the very worst, if you guys feel like maybe the D-back should tender bringing them back, it won't be at like a major price tag if that is what worries you. But Jordan Luplo, of course, acquired from Tampa Bay Rays last November and it, it, it was an interesting experience with Jordan Luplo. Fun fact, the guy that the D-backs sent back, Ronnie Simon, currently killing it in the Arizona Fall League. So hopefully that doesn't come back to bite the D-backs in the behind. But Jordan Luplo brought in 
platoon guy, guy could a guy that could play a little backup first base, a little corner outfield for you, and just provide some thump in the lineup, some power in the lineup, because the D-backs lineup was ex- exclusively their outfield. Their outfield, very lefty dominant. Luplo was going to come in, you know, offset some of that leftiness while providing some pop, and he did provide some pop. I mean, only had 203 at-bats, but in those 203 at-bats, 11 home runs, that's actually a pretty impressive number. Like, that's actually a pretty solid home run rate because you just make that 500 bats, you just double it. Now he's over 20 home runs. Like, that's a solid season for Jordan Luplo. And he did come up big in some pinch hit situations where it felt like that was the best version of Jordan Luplo if you were down, like, a run and he had to come in to pinch hit. That was, like, the only time I could trust him. But outside of that, Jordan Luplo was, like, Honestly, terrible this past season. Like, yeah, the 11 home runs was nice, but a 176 batting average was the lowest of any hitter in the National League with double-digit home runs. So this guy offensively literally was like home run or bust. And when you look at those cross matchups, like Jordan Luplo is, you know, supposed to really be electric in those cross matchups. That's where he's thrived throughout his whole career, but he actually had a lower advantage when he had the platoon advantage, which is surprising. Um, So that's not something you expected from Jordan Luplo. He actually had, his OPS was actually 40 points. His OPS was 84 points higher versus left-handed pitching, which is pretty crazy um, when you think about it. Only had a 185 batting average on balls in play. That number is just way way too low 177 average and a 674 ops went ahead in the count go look at splits for pretty much any player just think of a random player go on baseball reference and look at his splits i would almost guarantee i would almost bet you i'll give you the odds mm, I, I would i would give you minus i don't even know minus 200 odds that whatever random player you look up they're going to have really good numbers when they're ahead of the count. I'm talking about like at least a 270 average with like 800 plus OPS because most players when they're ahead in the count, they dominate. But Jordan Luplo, even when he was ahead in the count, he had a 179, he had a 177 average and a 674 OPS. That's not good. And runners in scoring position, Luplo, 179 average and 561 OPS. When it comes to Luplo, I think he severely disappointed. It's not like we had huge expectations for him, but... He, he just did nothing outside the times he had those pinch hits, home runs. Anytime I saw him in the lineup, I was disappointed because I knew offensively he wasn't going to do anything. And I felt like a lot of times he batted like near the top of the lineup, which I never loved. Defensively, he was all right. He would make some crazy plays. But I, I just don't know what he provides, what his value is to this team. Because right now, if the D-backs wanted a pure right-handed outfielder, they got a guy named Stone Garrett that could do the job that Jordan Luplo does. And maybe there's a little Seth Beer effect that scares you with Stone Garrett because Garrett started off really hot over his final 15 games. He went four for 39 with 17 strikeouts. But guess what? Stone Garrett's going to make less than like $1 million less year. Uh, Stone Garrett's going to make less than like $1 million next season while Luplo checks in around $2 million. Like, who has more upside? Who's younger? Like, give me Stone Garrett all day, every day. There might be more risk built in with Stone Garrett, but I also think there's a way higher ceiling for a cheaper player. I'm going Stone Garrett. I'm not tendering Jordan Luplo so he can happily hit free agency. And then the other big question mark, I think, there's a couple other players that we have to talk about. But for segment number one, the second guy that I want to hit that I think is the second biggest question mark next to Jordan Luplo is Caleb 
Smith because he's entering the final year of arbitration. Projected around $3 million as well. And this past season, I mean, if you look at the numbers for Caleb Smith, they weren't terrible. Over seven, over 70 innings, a 4-11 year array, like you would take that from Caleb Smith. Over his last 66 innings, a 3-1-4 ERA. But watching the games, I mean, I never felt confident with Caleb Smith. I always saw the hard contact given up. He walks a ton of people. He gives up a ton of hits, a ton of contact. So even though he had a really good ERA with those last 66 innings, I felt like it was kind of fluky. And some other numbers back that up as well. I mean, when you look at his numbers with uh, his numbers in high leverage moments this past season, a 273 average, over 1,000 OPS, and his whip was like a 137, like a terrible whip. And for Caleb Smith, one other factor they have to throw in, like, yeah, he his raw numbers might have been good. Maybe they're fluky, maybe they're not. But the biggest thing for Caleb Smith that you have to factor into this decision is the fact that he could potentially miss the entire 2023 season. Like right now, he has a UCL injury and he's going the rest and rehab route, but a few more opinions, the the rest doesn't work out, and he's going to miss the entire season for 2023 if he has to undergo Tommy John surgery. So I'm already getting guy who's been erratic throughout his short time with Arizona. And if he is healthy, he might be not super healthy. He might be dealing with the UCL injury. And if he is going to get surgery. We're going to be paying him to miss the entire 2023 season as well, just so he can rehab with the team. Like, I've never been a big Caleb Smith guy. I did think he was better as a reliever than a starter, but I would like to get an upgrade if possible with Caleb Smith, a guy who might not even be able to pitch in 2023. Like, I'm out on Caleb Smith. I'm out on Jordan Luplo. Let's go the younger route if possible. Now, we got another player or two that we have to decide if the D-back should tender or not tender. But today's episode is brought to you by Simply Safe because if you thought about securing your home with home security, wow, right? If you thought about securing your home with home security, but you have been putting it off, you'll want to listen up right now because Lockdown Dimebacks listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the year, and you won't want to miss out. Here's why I love Simply Safe. Did you know that over holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package thefts spike nationally? That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off their award-winning security system so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. Order your Simply Safe security system for half off today and enjoy advanced security and greater peace of mind this holiday season. Simply Safe was named the best home security system of 2022 by US News and World Report for a third year in a row. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use fast protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. Simply Safe is a whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door, HD security cameras for inside and out, smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash lockdownmlb. There's no safe like Simply Safe. 
let's get back into the podcast. And there's another player or two we have to discuss for the tender option. The next player we have to discuss is Reyes Moranta because I felt like the hype for Moranta got out of control. I felt like D-backs Twitter was buzzing for Moranta when the D-backs acquired him. I felt like toward that last month of the season, everyone was like, Moranta, make him the closer. He's the closer of the future. Bring him back next year. Make him the closer. Like I felt like a lot of people, maybe it's just me, maybe it's just who I follow on Twitter, but I felt like I saw so much Moranta for closer and like the D-backs let him be the closer. They gave him opportunities, but I think we all have to be honest about Moranta. He's mediocre at best. If you think he's going to be an answer to any bullpen problem, I think you're going to be wrong. I think there's a reason why the Dodgers let him go. I think Maranta is all right at best, mediocre at best, but he should be like your seventh, eighth best reliever. When you get into the playoffs, you should not see Maranta in a big situation because I do not trust him in those kind of moments. Maranta would not crack this Astros bullpen if we had to run him back and do the playoffs all over again. And when we look at Maranta, what he did with the D-backs, like, it wasn't anything impressive. 14 innings pitched, 7 earned runs, 8 walks, and 11 strikeouts. Like, yeah, Maranta can throw a mid-90s fastball. That's nice. It's his most used pitch, but it's also his least effective pitch. And like I said, Tori Lovello gave him opportunities in those safe seats in those safe situations he listened to d-backs twitter he threw him out there in those moments and guess what maranta didn't exactly come through in those big moments a four seven six era in safe situations so you say all right maybe he's not the closer of the future but could he be the setup man of the future the eighth inning guy of the future well in non-safe situations maranta had a four three two era so not exactly great in save or non-safe situations and just makes you wonder what value does this guy have outside of his fastball that's not very effective? Like, where runners in scoring position, Maranta had a 400 average allowed and over 1,000 OPS allowed with runners in scoring position. Maranta, he's got a nice little arsenal. Got a three-pitch arsenal headlined by that fastball. But do I think he's actually an effective reliever? Do I even think he can make it to the end of the 2023 season with the D-backs? No. Do I think the D-backs will tender him a contract? I do. I actually think Maranta... Will likely be back with the team. I, I That's just a gut call of anything. He'll probably be cheap, not cost a lot. So I could see the D-backs bringing him back. But do I think he's on the do I think he's on the roster by the end of the 2023 season? Now we got ourselves a real question because at that point, I don't think he will even make it to the end of the roster because I think he'll probably be like a JB Wendelkin or Noah Ramirez. We picked them up halfway through a season. We brought them back for the next season and then realized, you know what? These guys aren't very good, so we cut them before the season ended. I think Reyes, Morato will most likely get the next, uh, will get the same treatment. Now, this next player I want to talk about is someone who I want to do a player review on, who I talked about in the tease to start the show, but he's also a tender candidate. That is Carson Kelly, because we're going to talk about the good, the bad of Carson Kelly and how he can improve in 2023, because Carson Kelly is another tender candidate and the D-backs seem to potentially be in on upgrading their catcher position. I think they're a little bit disappointed with Carson Kelly's development, but right now I just don't think it's going to be easy to get that upgrade unless you're actually going out there and getting the Wilson Contreras of the world. Like I think Carson Kelly is probably going to be your best option and I do think the D-backs are going to bring him back, but I do think they're going to have a wandering eye at the same time for free agency trade market 
Uh, I, I'm not as secure in thinking Carson Kelly is the catcher of the future as I might have been in the past. And again, like if the D-backs really, really want to get wild and say, you know what? We'll sacrifice some defensive catching ability, some framing ability, some just pure catching ability, and just throw Dalton Varsho back there so we can have an elite offensive player. And then all of a sudden, when a Drew Jones is called up, now you can have Drew Jones, Corbin Carroll, and Jake McCarthy slash Alec Thompson in your outfield and Dalton Varsho behind the plate. That's a pretty nice situation. But for now, I would tender Carson Kelly and bring him back to the D-backs next season because he's still late 20s. He's still a guy with pop. He's still a guy that could potentially be a pretty solid offensive catcher. So let's start with the goods from Carson Kelly from his 2022 season before we get into the bads of Carson Kelly because Carson Kelly, behind the plate, surprise, surprise, the only catcher with at least 700 innings that didn't commit an error 1,000 fielding percentage for Carson Kelly. Very impressive. Shut down back there when it came to being a defensive catcher in those kind of situations. So you'd love to see that. Also, his hard contact stats were right aligned with what he's done in his career. So even though we didn't see any of the over-the-pop power, like the line drives were pretty much still there. The atom balls are still pretty much there. Maybe he just ran into some bad luck where he hit it more to the defense and, and those gappers over the fence because... The contact he was making still generated mostly the same amount of power as what he does normally. And speaking of contact, actually had the highest just pure contact percentage ever during his D-backs career. Like he made contact with pitches, I think like 81, 82% of the time, never cracked the 80s before with the D-backs. So good job by Carson Kelly in that area. So when I look at the good from Carson Kelly this past season behind the plate, I think he was very serviceable. I think he was fine. Like when he got injured and he had to miss a little bit of time, there was, I think, a, a stark difference between how he was catching versus Adult and Varsho or any of those other random catchers that I came to think about um, currently that are escaping me because the D-backs had a couple catchers back there. Where I'm like, uh, offensively, you're giving me nothing. And defensively, I don't know how much you're giving me either. And the pitching staff just seemed to perform so much better with Carson Kelly behind the plate. And then Carson Kelly, like, a lot of the contact he didn't make, I think, was solid. Like, did I always think he was confident at the plate? Did I think he would strike out at times? Yeah, but whenever he did put the barrels to the ball, it felt like a good sound. If I closed my eyes and I wasn't watching the TV, I would have been like, oh, that's a double right there. But you look up and it's like, huh, just a hard drive to a hard line drive to the left fielder. Like, I think there was a little bit of unluckiness involved with Carson Kelly as well. So when I look at the when I look at the good, maybe the good doesn't outweigh the bad from 2022, but I think there were still silver linings from Carson Kelly's 2022 season. And now, I want to discuss the bad of Carson Kelly because Carson Kelly, this past season, one, he was terrible with runners in scoring position. Like, this guy was not trustworthy in that area. And back in 2019, like, I think we have to stop referring to 2019 where Carson Kelly, maybe that was just a fluke. And maybe what we've seen the last three years is really who Carson Kelly is. Because what he did in 2019 is always going to be that, what, that standard, that baseline the area you want Carson Kelly to get back into at this point, it's a ceiling. Like if Carson Kelly can just put up those 2019 stats year after year, like 
we would be super happy with that as D-backs fans, but he hasn't been able to do that. And this past season, runners in scoring position, Carson Kelly, not effective in that area. And he's someone that we thought potentially in the past could have been a middle of the order at bat. Also, like I mentioned, just the over-the-fence power wasn't there for Carson Kelly. Only had seven home runs this past season. Like, that's not right. Carson Kelly definitely has 20-plus home run potential. We saw him with 18 back in 2019. Like I just said, I got to stop referring to his 2019 season. But I feel like Carson Kelly has the power. I feel like I don't think Carson Kelly is like Buster Posey or Will Smith, but he could at least put up some solid offensive numbers and be like a, a really respectable offensive catcher in Major League Baseball. So we got to figure out a way for him to tap back into that power. And that's where I come to this next struggle that he had from 2022 because he struggled against fastballs and breaking pitches this past year. He killed the off-speed pitch. He had like almost a 400 average against the off-speed pitch. But breaking pitches and fastballs, he had like a two, like a 222 average against fastballs and like a below 200 average against the breaking pitch, which is just not good enough. I feel like every Major League Baseball player should at least be able to hit the fastball. Like, obviously, fastballs nowadays have more, way more ride, way more spin, way more movement than ever. But I feel like you got to be at least a solid fastball hitter to survive in Major League Baseball. And Carson Kelly would just not that this past season. And if he can get back into crushing the fastball, at least being respectable against the fastball, I guarantee you those power numbers will go up. Because guess what? What comes in must go out. Like, it just physics is inertia. So, a pitcher's fastest pitch, if you're struggling against that pitch, you're most likely not going to have big power numbers. So if Carson Kelly starts dominating the 95-plus again, best believe you're going to see those power numbers start to climb back up for Carson Kelly. So what does he need to do to get better for the 2020, for the 2023 season? Sometimes I add too many 20s. One, he has to tap back into the power like we just discussed, right? Like, I'm not saying Carson Kelly has to turn to a 20 to 25 home run guy, but give me the 12 to 15 at least. If Carson if Carson Kelly's playing at least 100 games in a season, I need to see more home runs than what Jordan Luplo just did. Because if Jordan Luplo could get 11 home runs in 200 plate appearances, Carson Kelly should be able to get like 14 home runs in 250 plate appearances because I think he has more power than even a Jordan Luplo. Needs to continue to get better behind the plate. From the eye test, I thought he was pretty good this past year, but really diving into the Fangraphs numbers, I was actually a little disappointed where Carson Kelly ranked with a lot of these catcher stats because, like, the frame rate stat, he was, like, uh, just middle of the pack. Like, most of these stats, he's just middle of the pack four, which is just not what you want to see from Carson Kelly. Actually had a negative frame rate stat. So, for Carson Kelly, his best stat was his fielding percentage, but everything else, he was, like, middle of the pack. Like, I don't even know what most of those stats mean, but I just, like... I'm just like, all right, these are the most prominent catcher stats on fan graphs. I'm sorting them by catcher and Carson Kelly's middle of the pack in all these stats. So even though I don't know what the stat means, I know it's not great when you're middle of the pack. So if Carson Kelly can get closer to the top than the middle, I think that would be great for him and helping him become a potential all-star next season because I do think his all-star potential, potentially, he needs to become a better RBI producer. He is someone that I think, as a catcher, could be a 65 to 75 RBI guy, but not what he's done the last couple of years because one issue that I had with Carson Kelly this past year, ground ball rate was above 40%, and it's been above 40% two of the last three years. Needs to get that ground ball rate below 40% to really be effective. So all that hard contact that he produces just isn't on the ground. It needs to get that walk percentage to double digits again. 
Again, another stat where two of the last three years, it was in double digits. But this past year, or I think two of the last four, because 2021-2019 is when he had a good ground ball rate, a good walk percentage. But 2022 and 2020, not so good for Carson Kelly. So maybe he's like the Ketel Marte where every other year he produces. So maybe next year, the odd number Carson Kelly produces once again. Because like I said, he doesn't have to be Buster Posey. But I do think he could be a poor man's version of like a Buster Posey or a Will Smith or really any offensive catcher in baseball, but he has to get back to it. I don't know who he needs to work with. If it's the offensive hitting coach, I don't know who it is. Maybe the D-backs need to send him to a camp with a catcher, uh, you know, the Johnny Bench cat, uh, the Johnny Bench camp so he can work on his catching ability and work on his offensive repertoire because I still believe potentially Carson Kelly could be a good catcher like Luke Weaver I've been out on Luke Weaver for a couple years now but I'm still holding on to a, a little Carson Kelly stock I will say I've sold maybe maybe 80 to 90 percent of my Carson Kelly shares but I'm still holding on to that 10 percent that I think is super low value right now but could boom it's like it's like Bitcoin I've sold most of my Bitcoin off but I'm still holding on to a little bit just in case it spikes back up just like how it was in the pandemic I'm going to be a rich man so that's why I'm holding on to my Carson Kelly stock because if he ever gets back to that year that should not be named, he will look like a potential all-star in 2023. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Go make your second listen of the day. Lockdown MLB with my pal Sully Baseball. Go make your third listen, Locked On Sports Today, because that podcast covers all the games that matter and the biggest stories in sports. Go behind the scenes and beyond the scoreboard with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.